like we're a more connected world than we are than we were you know 10 years ago and definitely more than we were 20 years ago oh crap well, uh bathing would be pretty hard because uh you know you don't have like really good indoor plumbing uh you're gonna these like buckets shout out to trevor nielsen thanks for hooking us up to you And welcome to another episode of the Convoluted Podcast. It's your host, Jesus, a.k.a. Tyrant Dominus. And today we have a special guest. Uh, he reached out to me. Here, He's my first guest, first guest to reach out. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Amit Energy. I am from Dallas, Texas, and uh, I'm the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a cool. nonprofit that celebrates and inspires philanthropy and youth. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, at, first things first, I, I want to thank you for reaching out. Um, yeah, honestly, you are the first person to contact me uh, from from the void of the internet to be a guest uh, besides my posts. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so so I went, <laughs> the moment you reached out, I was like, oh my God. I, I, honestly, I was, I was happy. Uh, so I got to... Uh, do a little research and who and what you've been doing and uh yeah you're 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 doing a lot and you're doing a lot of good stuff too uh can you can you uh expand on your what you're currently doing with your philanthropy uh, yeah i said that right yeah so um i am the ceo or executive director of philanthropy kids um as I mentioned earlier, our mission is to celebrate and inspire philanthropy and youth. Basically, we want to find youth who are doing, uh, find kids who are doing good things and kind things for other people um, and encourage them to keep doing that and hoping that in the ways that we promote them, other kids will see that they can also make a difference. And then you just get more and more kids um, doing good and then they'll grow up and continue doing good. And then we work on the next set of kids. Um, so we have a couple of different programs. One, uh, is philanthropy kids magazine. We publish this magazine that tells the stories of those kids, um, all over the world, um, doing, doing good. And we don't have a, you know, restriction on how big or how small an act can be. So we have some people writing about how, uh, or sending in submissions of how they held the door open for someone. And then we have others who talk about, uh, starting an international nonprofit to build wells in third world countries. And so there's a big spectrum of uh, service, I guess you could call it. And uh, we try to highlight all of that. Another project we do is called PAVE, which stands for Philanthropy and Volunteerism in Entrepreneurship. That's an educational program that we use to teach kids, um, usually middle school age, what it takes to be like what philanthropy is why it's important and how they themselves as a you know a eight-year-old a 12-year-old and 17-year-old can uh be a philanthropist and make a difference in other people's lives in a very kind of academic and structured way okay sweet that you know that 
I wish I had some level of structure like that when I was younger, to be honest. Um, but I'm glad that you you're putting a you and and your team are putting a lot of work into this, um, and uh, I commend you guys for that. Thank you. Uh, so so what what got you what what started this idea that is now an actual reality for you? Yeah. So when I was when I was in fourth grade, or actually, let's go back even further. <laughs> um, you know, I I grew up in a setting where service and kindness and respect were highly valued. Um, so in our household, we were always like, oh, do do unto others and things like that. So I came from a place of goodwill and kindness and stuff like that. Um, historically, our family has just been involved. Uh, like my grandparents have done incredible stuff for others. My parents have done cool stuff for others. Um, so I was just, I guess, more inclined to do that just by being raised by my parents. But I was also involved in uh, the Boy Scouts program, Cub Scouts, uh, and eventually Boy Scouts, which is now Scouts BSA. Um, and there is a big emphasis on service and um, doing a good turn daily and kind of living your life as a virtuous person and always looking out for your fellow man. So that was another kind of element that added to this whole service angle that goes on in, like this whole mindset of, you know, service, service, service that goes on in my head. Then when I was in fourth grade, um, I was actually a student in the PAVE program. At the time it was called philanthropy and volunteerism in education. And for eight weeks, my fourth grade teacher was replaced by this guy um, who really just taught me what it takes to be a leader in in the service when it comes to service, um, how to you know fundraise for nonprofits, how to identify nonprofits that you want to support, and things like that. So I, I learned a lot in a very like academic kind of instructional way versus the more um, unstructured, oh, be good, be kind way that my parents uh, taught, raised me and uh, the way Boy Scouts had it. So all of this really, really, really shaped my um, perspective. And I knew that I wanted to do something. Um, I wanted everything I wanted to do had to have some kind of service element to it. And so eventually, a couple of years later, I um, was working on my Eagle Scout rank, which is the highest rank in Boy Scouts. And uh, one of the requirements to obtaining that rank is to execute a leadership or a service project that demonstrates leadership. So I thought, oh, this is my opportunity to really talk about philanthropy, teach others about philanthropy, and uh, highlight philanthropy amongst uh, other people my age. I was 13 at the time. Um, and so I reached back out to that instructor of this program and we brainstormed some ideas and we thought, let's create a magazine that collects all these stories into one publication and then send that publication out to everyone that wants to read it. Uh, so that happened. And after our first issue, I kind of thought, okay, cool. It was a one-time thing. The project's done. Um, I guess, like, should we continue it or not? And we gained so much community support and uh, a lot of my mentors told me, 
you have to keep this going. So since then, we've kept it going. We've published more uh, editions of the magazine. We've expanded PAVE from a local program to an international program. Um, and we are just, you know, increasing staff, increasing capabilities. And so it's a, uh, it's been, it's been a really interesting journey and I'm glad to, uh, been a pretty instrumental part in, you know, the formation and the, uh, sustaining of philanthropy kids. Wow. Uh, that's great. Having, having, having kind of uh, a person help you at a young age, that's kind of something. Um, it's, it's funny when, when I think about it, it's, it's something you, you think about in films and things like that, but it, it, it happens when, if you're willing to, uh, take the help from, from different individuals, because there's, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help someone out. Uh, it's, it's when you're take, take advantage of that, and better yourself. Um, I know, sadly, I, I know I've been given many chances uh, in my younger days that I never took. And it's a path that I've, at the moment, may have regret, but, you know, I'm working now and I've been getting a lot of help now. But at a young age, having having those options available, uh, and for you, you like, but the funny thing is... um. Uh, when I was young, uh, I I begged my parents to to join uh, uh, what what is now the Scouts Scouts USA. If that's correct, right? It's a uh, Scouts BSA. BSA, okay. Because uh, uh, they've uh, it's now a co-ed program, so it's now open to boys and girls. Um, okay. So they renamed it, so it's less uh, confusing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've. I've I've briefly been following that a little bit. One of one of my friends uh, uh, was was also an Eagle Scout, um, and uh, but w- when I was younger, I I remember thinking and wanting to be one, but it was something that was in my area was not very prevalent. But it's yeah. Well, uh, and I I had the really good fortune of in some and a lot of times just being in the right place at the right time. Um, a lot of my friends also were in a similar situation where they really wanted to be involved in Boy Scouts, but they just didn't have the right troop or the right organization or the right um, structure. And like, it wasn't as strong of a program where they were. And so they didn't have the opportunity to be as involved in that as they were in other things. And so I I was really lucky to uh, find a troop that was well-organized and really pushed me uh, to do, uh, you know, cool stuff through the program. Hey, more power to you, man. Uh, but no, I'm glad that, that, that and everything that's come along has put you in a, the place you are right now and working and sharing the stories. I, I have myself had a chance to read some of them. They're very uplifting and I'm glad, uh, to, that you guys are all working hard. Um, I do have a, a quick question as far as that. What, what do you guys, what is the long goal for the, your organization? So I feel with any nonprofit organization, the goal is to work yourself out of a job. Um, for example, a homeless shelter's job or like 
long-term goal is that they no longer need to be used because homelessness is solved. Similarly, our goal is to, like our, you know, kind of idealistic vision is that uh, we have an entire generation of youth who are um, altruistic, who are kind, who are doing, like actively looking for good things to do on a day-to-day basis and actively looking for causes to volunteer for and support. And so it's a very ambitious goal. It's very idealistic. And in more, a more realistic context, um, I say like, we just, we want to sustain, we want to keep growing. Um, obviously the more magazines we can produce, the more, uh, uh, frequently we can produce, the more, um, uh, different types of magazines we can produce all can reach different areas and reach more people, which is always a goal of ours. We also want to, uh, the way our PAVE program works right now is it's, um, it's not as um, regular. We kind of choose, okay, we're going to do it here and we're going to do eight weeks in this area. And then the next summer we'll do it in another place. And then sometimes it's recurring. And so it's very like project by project. Um, I hope that one day we get it streamlined enough to where we just have, you know, every summer or every fall we have this program in this place and we're going to have, you know, multiple of these around the world simultaneously being held. So that's kind of our, that's kind of, in my mind, where I kind of see philanthropy kids going. Um, uh, again, that's a, all a matter of the resources and the staff that you can uh, find and the, obviously the uh, funding. Okay. You know, I honestly, that, that's something I, I I like hearing. It's uh, it's something something we need these day and age. This positivity in the world, and uh, it's I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad someone out there is uh, stepping a little bit forward, and hopefully more so gets a little bit more uh, what's the word uh, publicity adds time add space no a little bit more. Recognition. There. there you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I subscribe to the idea that there are like, there are more good people than bad people. The bad people just take all the attention. And so we don't tell really me. get to see how good people truly are. Uh, tell um, me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the work you guys are all doing and the, the goals for the future sound uh, seems seem hard at the moment, but with time and progression, it's it's a possibility. Uh, it's like anyone listening out there, say there there's a th- you, you guys might have an idea, and it just it just it takes a little a little work, a little research, and and then just the drive. You guys have heard it multiple times from different guests. That is. It's something that's been repeated on this show multiple times, but it's something that is repeated because it's true. Yeah, I think I think one thing that, like, if I can tell the listeners, is that they say um, it's ninety nine percent perspiration, one percent inspiration, or one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration. Talking about work ethic, and I I think to like to an even greater degree. It's less about the actual work executing what you want to do 
and more doing like diligently planning out all the steps, all the strategy. Um, Cause when it's super organized, it's so much easier to, you know, go down that list of action items and say like, Hey, I uh, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. Once those three things are done, we can check off phase one and then we can move on to phase two. And so kind of breaking it up and putting it into multiple different, like, and well, I guess breaking it up and creating a very like organized strategy is like the key to what, however ambitious the goal is. At least that's what I've kind of experienced that the projects where I didn't spend as much time, you know, uh, working on the plan and just kind of jumped right into it. It didn't pan out as well as the projects where I really, really dived deep into the planning stages and then moved on to the actual um, implementation of that strategy. Hmm, okay. I know, I know I have fallen into both of those situations in my, my younger days in different projects, mostly in group mm-hmm. projects for sure. That's uh, uh, the way, the way, you know, depending on how you tackle uh, whatever uh, project or goal you're working on, and depending on the person you are too. Um, I myself have found myself to be like, uh, kind of uh, make your make your work. Uh, no, what is the word? The word is oh, the word is um, uh, not the word phrase. Uh, work smarter, not harder. So yeah. making um, so always. dividing up some of the the little processes dividing the big work into smaller chunks and then doing it that way because in the long run it'll it'll get you it'll make your life easier yeah Uh, so oh 100 percent agree so yeah um is there anything else you would like to promote at the moment um i guess to the listeners check us out philanthropykids.org um you'll probably find the link in the description but uh, just uh, if you have, you know, if you know kids who are doing good things for others, have them submit a story uh, and we'd love to recognize them and highlight the work that they're doing. Um, and uh, as always, if you're interested in donating, you feel free to contact us and we can uh, help you do that. But uh, I think it's definitely a lot easier to find someone who's done some good and have them submit their story because people like talking about themselves. Um, <laughs> but That's yeah, what the show's all about. Quick thing I'd like to just promote. Um, all right. So, um, yeah, I'll have all the links below. Um, but at the moment now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the man behind all this. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. So I am, how do I describe who I am? So I like to think, I like to learn, I like to help people, and I like to help people help people. And sometimes I live my life as with like taking each one of those individually. And sometimes I look at it as a a progression. I like to think where I'm just, you know, thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do this? And then I learn about how that actually works and seeing, you know, can you actually do it? And then I try to create some kind of service element to it, you know, how, how does this thing help people or benefit people? And then um, beyond that, it's how can I uh, use this as a way t- 
to inspire others to want to help people. And so um, I've been involved in a lot of different things that have led to, or like have, that have, you know, seen this list of virtues uh, or list of tenets just manifest. I guess that's a big word I don't want to use, but um, uh, I guess like, so a, cu- a couple things. I am, I'm 20 years old. I am a junior at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. And in my very, very short life, I um, have spent a lot of time uh, working with nonprofits and in the philanthropic sector to uh, really promote different causes that I find meaningful and that I personally resonate with, two of which include um, hunger and domestic violence and sexual assault and um, I've been involved in a couple of different organizations such as Tango Tab, which is a company that developed a mobile app where when you dine out at a restaurant and you check in on the app, Tango Tab donates a meal to the hungry at no cost to you. So uh, they put on these different events and they just try to go around the world, you know, trying to solve hunger. And I really admire the efforts that they've uh, put towards this cause. And, I mean, that's a big reason why I support them. Another one is uh, I'm involved with a domestic violence shelter here in uh, Dallas called Genesis Women's Shelter. They're a pretty big women's shelter that, you know, supports battered women uh, and gives them, you know, housing, uh, legal support, all kinds of stuff to make sure that they're in a um, place where they can get back on their feet uh, in a safe manner. And so I'm part of an auxiliary group that they have called the Genesis Heroes, standing for He Respects Others. And in that, we try to get men involved in the fight against domestic violence because people think it's a women's issue, and it's not. It's an issue that involves everybody. And so we try to bring in men uh, to advocate for this cause. So that's something that I do. I also am really big on STEM. Uh, I'm pursuing a degree in electrical engineering and um, uh, and I have worked for a, a couple of technology companies and engineering companies. Uh, one of the big things that I want to focus my time into um, is clean energy and looking for a way to not have to rely so much on fossil fuels and not saying to cut them out completely, but just use less of them or at least find other opportunities to make money through energy. Um, for example, hydro, hydroelectric plants uh, produce a, or create a ton of money uh, for the amount of effort, or I guess the lack of effort needed to create the uh, energy. So things like that uh, fascinate me and I really want to kind of get more involved in those kinds of endeavors. Um, but yeah, and then on top of that, I try to uh, advocate for certain, not too much the political side of it, but more like the policy side of it. Um, when it comes to education and when it comes to energy, uh, I really look at you know the data and the research and try to see what are some things that we can do to, as a community and as a society to help address shortcomings in those areas. So those are the kind of the three big aspects of my life. 
that um, are upheld by those four different things that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, wow. All so right. that's, that's who I am. <laughs> you're, you're a pretty busy person for such a young man. I'm not going to lie. I remember okay. around that time, I was just like, just wanted to, I would say 20, what was I doing in my early 20s? I just wanted a girlfriend and a reasonable job. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was the simplicity. That was the, the extent of my my goals at that point. I'm not going to lie. But uh, like I said earlier, different perspectives. Um and on top of that, you you kind of have an idea, and you're you're doing a lot. That's a lot on your plate, but it seems like you, for mm-hmm. for the most part, you have some structure already, uh, like set for yourself to do that. Um, and and you're currently going to school too. On top of that, wow. <laughs> yeah, I def- like time management is definitely something that I had to figure out pretty quickly, um, and I've had the good fortune of having a lot of mentors that told me like, Hey, or guided me in making decisions on to, as to kind of what I should take on and what I should take on, like, or put off and, um, kind of making sure that I don't take on too much without burning myself out. Um, that is, that yeah. is, that is a, some smart words. Anyone listening? always think that I've kind of sucked myself into a hole multiple times where I've taken on too much too soon. And yeah, uh, it has not worked out. So uh, those words, people listen, like plan, plan things for yourself. Don't, don't, don't overburden yourself. I think that's the word. Yeah. So I have, I have a pretty hard time saying no to people. So um, <laughs> like I've had to kind of learn how to do that um, and be more kind of stubborn about my time and how willingly I give that away. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, it, it's it's been kind of a challenge, but uh, I've gotten you know a lot better. And naturally, like when you're busy with a lot of things, you don't even have the time to accept something, like for someone to come and ask you something because they can't find you. So, um, I've kind of gamed it in that way. Okay, sweet. Let's see here. Uh, there was something I wanted to talk about. Oh, here it is. Uh, so, uh, you're going to school for uh, electrical engineering, if that's yeah. right. Yeah, and you're you're like you're moving forward with that. Um, one of the interesting things, um, I actually had a conversation a couple days ago about this. Um, so, here, I'm, from from your point of view, what what do you think of the current state of of not the energy crisis, but the 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 environment we're currently in. Uh, yeah, is that the word? Damn it! And there, I, I had a, a better. What's interesting? I I put it better that night when we were talking about it. But I wonder if you understand me, or you want me to clarify that? Do you mean like nature and the environment, or like society and the environment? Society. Oh, we can do both. Actually, I actually now I want to ask about nature too to them. But let's do let's do both. Okay. Um, I guess I'll address the nature one first. Um, so I, uh, a couple months ago, the United Nations released this huge document that was like, hey, we have so much carbon in the air and it's like killing all our natural resources. Um, 
and it's just causing a lot of damage to the earth that makes it harder for us to survive. And so I am a big numbers guy. And so when I see something like that, obviously I take it with a grain of salt because, you know, data and research can always be slightly flawed. Um, but I look, I look through it and everything kind of made sense and like added up. So I was like, oh man, we are in a crisis where we need to um, really think about how we uh, live our daily lives in a way that doesn't damage the ecosystem. Because the concern is not, you know, saving the planet because the earth is going to be fine. The earth has been fine for millions and billions of years. Um, the problem is humans can only survive in a certain kind of environment. And so, uh, you know, if, uh, a lot of damage is being done to, uh, every, like whatever, whatever resource it might be, for example, the ice caps are melting. So, um, water levels are rising and that changes, you know, high pressure systems and low pressure systems and all these different things. There's, more humidity in certain areas. And this causes all kinds of weather patterns that just, um, you know, make it like 90 degrees in December and 40 degrees in June. So there's these weather patterns that are kind of a result of these um, incidents that are happening in nature that can be like traced back to, um, just the way that we dispose of stuff, the way that we consume energy and um, the way that we just uh, kind of live a very um, trash producing like uh, lifestyle. So that's kind of where I think the state of the natural environment in terms of the earth and stuff is. It's kind of a, kind of a sad one, but um, yeah, um, uh, that's kind of where we ended up with our conversation with uh, with my work group. That's kind of it. Kind of put a sour note uh, to the beginning of our shift, but it's um, it's a reality. And sometimes, we yeah, yeah, to... I think I think that's something that like it's it's hard because there's a lot of you know technical jargon and uh, you know meteorology is a huge word that no one uses in their daily. Uh, what's it called in their daily conversations so when you're hearing all these like words about high pressure systems low pressure systems um, uh, salinity like these are just words that don't make sense to people and it's like it's hard to realize just how kind of dangerous uh, it things are becoming yes people this is why we're still having snow in April yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> ridiculous. I'm from Texas, and we're used to um, pretty uh, unexpected weather. But, I mean, for the past couple of years, it's been a little bit more than just unexpected. It's, more, it's been more random these last couple of years, and a lot of people just ignore it for the most part. I'm... Um, so I'm originally from Chicago, uh-huh. and oh. and I'm... Yeah, and uh, I moved out to Oregon. I'm, like, near the Portland area. Mm-hmm. So, like, growing up, I'm, I was used to, like, like snow, hot summers, and things right. along those natures. Uh, moving out here, it's it's wet, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't snow 
that often. And when it does, people freak out, and it's like the end of the world for them. Um, but well, yeah, if it gets so, if it rains and then goes sub zero, all the roads in Texas, because then, especially in Dallas, everything is so flat that the water just kind of stays there, and then it freezes, and then the roads are iced, and we don't have. For example, if someone in Minnesota saw this stuff, they'd have all the equipment to, you know, get their car ready for it. They'd be ready to shovel out snow and pick at ice and kids would still go to school. Here, when it, uh, in Texas, when it ices over or snows, people freak out in the same way that you're mentioning. And uh, they freak out, they cancel school, and people just don't really know what to do. Um, uh, then I'm looking forward to the future then. If this continues, then what what little things will continue to freak us out? Or at least uh, some that don't pay attention as much. But yeah, it's as far as the like natural environment we are. Yeah, you can you can just tell it tell it by just walking outside. You know, it's it's weird. It just it's really yeah. weird. So like actually, um, just as for you listeners, as far as this is like the second week of April. So if you're listening to this, this it's this these are recorded ahead of time. But anyways, like just just this week, um, the, the week started out really lovely. Like we hit our first high mark. It was like in the nice 75s up there. Like for us, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just uh, last night, we uh, the the morning was like. 32 and like eh, god what happened it was nice a couple days ago and it's the high it's going to be like uh 50 uh upper 50s like eh, it's only been a couple days what happened to my nice weather oh. yeah i i, I totally i 100 percent feel you i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah guys uh pay a little pay a little bit more close attention to the environment side of things. I know, uh, like he mentioned, it's, there can be a lot of big words, a lot of things said that are, it's, it's all for researchers and political people, but pay, try to pay attention as much as you can, because sometimes there's, sometimes there's things that we as an average person can do to help. Yeah. Um, I think like, uh, one big thing that like people kind of forget, they like, they know everyone knows it, but like they just kind of forget. And I often forget too. Um, it's reduced, reuse, recycle. And, you know, I learned that in elementary school as just kind of a thing. And it was more to highlight or to emphasize recycling. But I think that should be, it's more of a progression, right? Like we need to reduce the amount of stuff that we consume on a daily basis in terms of like, you know, individually packed snacks and all this stuff. Like, uh, just, we use up so much plastic and we throw out so much stuff that even if we recycle some of it, if we reduced it, our output would just be less. And then say you can't reduce as much as you want, reusing, you know, using glass instead of plastic or whatever alternative, uh, that's kind of the next step. And then as a last resort, you know, if it's recyclable, recycle it. Um, But I think like that's something that like, people don't really think about, you know, on their, like, they're like, oh, I recycle. But there's, like, even more you can do. And it's hard. Like, it's hard to just, you know, stop getting that coffee every morning and, you know, a paper cup instead of bringing a mug or something like that. 
but uh yeah it's, it's just it's it's a like you said it's a weird it's a weird kind of place to be <laughs> no and as you're saying those those i haven't heard those words in a very long time i remember those were very those were very prevalent in the 90s in commercials and it's not around that much it's not it's not spoken as much and as as you were saying it i was looking over to uh my water bottle and like i could have got a glass of water sad times yeah sad times <laughs> but uh, like you said it's um i think it's something i don't i don't know for you but i remember it was it was taught in school a little bit more like it was something that was just kind of thrown in there, but you—it's something that I still remember it now. It's not not in my forefront of my my mind. Right, time. exactly. You're not thinking about it day to day, but like when I when someone says it, it's like, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, because it's—I it, don't know if it's taught in classes or. I think a, a, it, it's probably it's still as, taught, but it's like like I said, it's probably just more so. Hey, recycle that stuff. Um, so, but. You're right. There's there's a lot of things in your individual day you can do to uh, just like reduce what you're doing. It's hard. <laughs> it's funny. Is um I I talk to a lot of international people and it's funny um, how it it for the most part it's a it's a running joke how Americans are very mm, what's the word <laughs> I always hear um, wasteful. Yeah, let's go with that. I know I've heard that before. Yeah, let's go with wasteful. There's other words I've heard from uh, my international friends, um, but it, it 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 is something that we uh, as as a country just not individually, but like there's a lot that we just buy into too much that we don't need. Needless, needless. Why can't I say it? Needlessness. Yeah. 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 That's as best as you guys can hear it, people. I can't speak at the moment, <laughs> but no, that is that is one thing. It's it's there's a lot of excess, and I, as I stare into my office, I can see I can be reducing a lot more. Hmm. Now I got to rethink a couple things in my life, but that's fine. That's something that people should do: is take a moment to kind of reevaluate those moments. I remember, I remember talking to a, a friend of mine on his show about that kind of uh, uh, taking a moment to take uh taking a moment to step back and think about you as an individual and see uh see where you're at now and where you come from and see the little things you would like to improve and want to improve and then setting up some a couple of goals to do so yeah no i i definitely agree with that all right um let's go with the the current like so we talked the environmental let's talk the other side hello hello yes oh <laughs> now okay let's talk the other side of the the, the crisis the the mm, the political slash societal part of this issue yeah so i think um like we're a more connected world than we are than we were you know 10 years ago and definitely more than we were 20 years ago um and uh because of that like information can be sent 
to so many people so quickly. And alongside that, you have memes and just the idea that internet culture is so like highly adaptive to things that are happening in that moment, like regarding the news. Um, and so that all kind of comes together like in really intense ways when we start talking politics and uh, like being in the United States, it's a weird, it's a weird time right now. Um, just like, less than a year. Just less than a year. We just got to wait a year and it'll change over. I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's, see the thing is like, I don't want to think too much about the 2020 election because first off, there's so many, like, I don't even know how many numbers I stopped counting at 16. Um, Wait, uh, what is that? Democratic primary contenders. Really? Um, wow. <laughs> wow. But, I didn't, like there's, there's even more. And like, I think another person just announced a couple days ago, Oregon in mid April of 2019. Um, and so like, I, I kind of get a little bit anxious just thinking about that. And I really just want to focus on like what we're doing today, you know, like from coming out of the white house, coming out of Congress, coming out of the Supreme court. Um, and, and so like to my point of like with social media and stuff, I think the problem is like we are in a bad place in terms of like where our like society is and how our society speaks up about things it values in the sense that sensationalism will always beat out rationality um, in the sense that, you know, if you have someone who's far right saying, uh, oh, build that wall, or you have someone far left saying um, we should eliminate uh, corporations and stuff like that. Um, both are ridiculous. And to that, uh, that's what gains traction. Cause someone's like, Hey, look at this. Uh, look at how absurd this is, but, but you can't guarantee that. Um, but you can't guarantee that that person that you show it to will also take it in an ironic sense and they might take it totally literally. And so then they go, Oh yeah, build that wall or eliminate the corporations. And so, um, that stuff really gets peddled through, you know, the millions and millions of people using social media and the things where it's saying, Hey, I, uh, you know, I, I can't even think of an example. It's been so long since I've seen it online. Um, but like a very, you know, sober, rational political statement that's like, hey, I want low taxes, but I also want to make sure that like uh, we have, like the government is able to provide certain services like Social Security and um, Medicare and Medicaid and things like that. So long, long answer to your question about where I think society and the environment and our environment is right now. I think it's... Um, just in a word, it's very noisy. And I think we need to really spend some time to like rehabilitate and kind of filter out that noise and find better ways to identify what is 
uh, good information and what is nonsense. And so, uh, I like that's kind of my take on the whole thing. It's a very kind of ambiguous and vague uh, stance, but um, I think like there are a lot of policies right now that are not driven by data and research and more by that sensation that uh sensationalism and so with that you get weaker pol like weaker policy that's not as long lasting um it's usually driven by the leaders at the time and every four years or two years or six years um that leadership can change and then you don't have the same uh kind of fire behind that policy. And so uh, there's a lot of stuff where it's driven by hate and driven by just um, like xenophobia that I see in our policy that I wish wasn't the case. And, but I mean, because of just how much information is out there and how much attention the most extremes get, you you have to pick a side and usually... uh, when you pick that side, it identifies you as the extreme, you know, conservative or extreme liberal. Oh, no, tell you, you, I think you put it perfectly right. It's as far as the online issues go, it is a very noisy place. It's hard to focus on anything when, when, when you, when you're trying to actively do something positive, you can, like you said, it can be taken in extreme manner, either uh, the, the way it's it said now, either left or right, even though that is, that's weird to say that those are, those are two evils, saying the, those two words. Yeah. Uh, it's, thinking about it now, it's really kind of stupid, but <laughs> it's, it is what it is now, but it is a very noisy environment, uh, mostly when when trying to progress as as individuals as as people as a society when we can't really we can't really focus on the things that really matter and it's just a lot of a lot of arguing between people which can oh it can be which can be frustrating yeah, that's that's a good word for it. I was, I was trying to think of a word to describe it. Frustrating is exactly it. Yeah, going through yeah. a comment section, like comment section on YouTube, hilarious because it's just absurd nonsense about random stuff. Um, the comment sections on a post that you know government leaders are posting get scary because those are the people. Like that's you know societal uh, differences that are being made. Like those are the people that will determine whether or not, you know, the government is providing uh, universal health care or whether there's uh, common sense gun reform or whether there, whether there's, uh, you know, ad- like uh, adequate defense funding spending and things like that. And so when someone says something ridiculous, like, Oh, we should uh cut the defense budget. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that's more scary than just someone typing out R followed by a bunch of E's as a joke, um, or rickrolling someone. Um No yeah, you ha- you have it right right there. You know, it's um it's a it's 
it's a new and odd space we're living in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and a lot a lot of our leaders at the moment are still trying to figure out this this world, and um, some some have luckily have gotten people to work under them that know how to use use it properly, and some have adapted properly. But then there are those individuals who. Just use it for nonsense, and it can be it can be hilarious, but sad when you know that these are our leaders. And yeah, like, oh, totally agree. <laughs> um, so, well, here, okay, so here's something interesting. So, um, so how how do you think are some of our future leaders who have grown up with this in this in this that that field? In this era, eh, I'll go with that. In this era, some of the the leaders or some, our future leaders that are growing up in this era would be and use some of the resources that we have now. I know things are going to be different, but saying that we still have we still have the Facebook, the Twitters, uh, probably some new social media that's going to blow them all out of the window. How, yeah, how do I you think. Feel? I I think in the same way that so I've I've volunteered and worked on different political campaigns um and so the thing is like yeah they're using social media and stuff like that but people are still going to knock on their neighbor's doors and say hey i'm supporting candidate uh there's an election coming up i'm supporting candidate x and this is why i'm supporting candidate x um do you think this person has your vote uh or do you have any questions that like just door to door block walking or canvassing will never change. That is how you win elections. And that is such an old school concept that regardless of whatever technology is like invented, that will stay constant. Similarly, like mail, like people get political mail all the time that says, Hey, I'm candidate Y and I'm running for, you know, governor or whatever it might be and so uh like and that's something that is still being used and then now like social media as more and more people understand how to utilize it it's going to be even more effective and i don't think facebook and twitter and stuff are going to die out they just might become a little less popular or they'll adapt into something totally different and uh people will still use them so I think those will still be used as outlets, but they just won't be, you know, as heavily utilized as, I don't know, some telepathic micro or microchip that gives you uh, telepathic communication powers. So you can talk to, you know, people in a two mile radius or some kind of crazy sci-fi future. Um, but I think, so I think like the, old school technique of just talking to someone and saying, Hey, this is what I believe in. And I think this, um, like, you know, political leader is the right person to support, to get these values that we have implemented into societal law. That is never going to change regardless of the innovation that happens when it comes to the resources that candidates and stuff can use. Something like, or, I don't know if that was coherent or not, but no, no, no. Yeah, it. <laughs> at least for me, uh, hopefully the listeners can. Maybe I can kind of um, uh, say the way I thought it. So, 
uh, what's funny is that you, you mentioned uh, some of the the door to door people who 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 uh, try to promote some of these things. It's funny that you mentioned that. It's like I'm not I'm not super big into politics too much. I try to I try to pay attention to the mm-hmm. things that affect me. Uh, I remember we had a, a recently had our our local uh, our local. Yeah, like the city elections. All that, yeah, and we, yeah, funny enough, uh, they came up to our door. I think I paid attention a little bit more than to them, the individual, than some paperwork that probably is sitting on my, I'm on my table in the kitchen, just sitting there. Um, Well, and like I think I, I definitely experienced this. Like there have been people who, you know, I come in with my beliefs and my values and my policy. interests and whatever and i'm talking to this person who is you know in some form or fashion my neighbor lives in my district and we're going to be represented by the same you know uh person regardless of what happens in the election so when i'm talking to them there are a lot of times when i am able to convince them of something or just looking at something a different way or um, addressing a problem in a, uh, you know, a from from a wider perspective or a more narrow perspective, and I'm able to convince them. And at the on the flip side, there have been times when I am going up and while talking to them, they're able to convince me not to necessarily switch my can like for a different candidate, but just uh, look at a diff- like look at it from a different perspective and just understand a a point of view that isn't mine. And you don't get that with a postcard that comes in the mail. You don't get that with a robocall. You definitely don't get that with a robocall. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then even a Facebook post, like it can be a video of say Donald Trump and that won't speak to you as much as someone who supports his campaign coming to your door and saying, hey, uh, there's an election coming up in 2020, I'm voting for Donald Trump, and this is why. And so, um, now, I don't know how receptive I'd be to that message, but, um, uh, but like, I think, I think that's kind of the key reason why the door-to-door canvassing works, because you're paying more attention, and it's like, hey, this is a person, it's harder to just, like, you know, slam the door in his face, say no, or whatever. Um, because it, it kind of shows that like they are, they believe in this candidate so much that they're going into do- other people's houses and saying, "Hey, I like this candidate a lot." Okay. So I, I think I think that's a big reason why like you probably like pay attention to that person when, during the municipal election, or um, versus you know a postcard saying, "Hey, I'm running for mayor." No, you're right. That's uh, you you put a little bit more. You put a little bit more of a human spin on it. You there's an actual person, not some, not some text, not some flat background or meme. Oh, the texts like, are the worst. <laughs> so no, yeah. Um, uh, you know uh, what was interesting is just, just, just last night, just last night. Um, I was actually thinking of kind of diving in. Not not into the political space, but more into talking to to some leaders on my show. Uh-huh. It's so it's it's an idea. 
anyone out there listening, don't hold me to that at the moment. It's an idea. <laughs> um, but it's it's something, you know, because the way the, the way they should the, ugh, why can I talk? The way this show work, it's always been um, having an individual come about uh, and promote the things they they want to do. That's that's always been the show. It's giving my giving my guests a platform to talk about the things, and we get to learn a little bit more about the individual. And I, th- thinking about it now, and what I thought last night is that's that's not a bad idea to kind of contact people in, in the political space because you kind of also want to humanize them because they are they are they're they're people right. too. They're people. Well, and um, I think like, and and I think something I've noticed is that with local officials, you know, your uh, your mayor, your city council person, those people are always going to be more receptive to coming onto a show and having a more genuine conversation because they don't have as much of like the big party kind of bureaucracy of you got to stick with this messaging and this kind of stuff. And like the topics while not, while not simple are like, you know, you can't just fix roads and like, like roads will, can always be better. Or um, I'm trying to think of other uh, things like uh, public safety, like police officers and stuff. You can't ever really fix that or make it perfect, but it's something that you can, talk about without you know becoming noisy and and uh making sensational remarks you know like if you bring in a state senator or not a state senator uh, a u.s senator from some state who says uh hey let's talk about i don't know gun control you're gonna get a very tailored message for the most part at least i think so versus hey let's talk about where you think uh we should allocate you know like, should we try to bring businesses into this city by giving them, you know, certain incentives? And I'm talking like major corporations, like when Amazon was hunting for um, uh, a location to put their new headquarters, like that was, that was an issue that people could, it was a local issue that people could kind of wrap their heads around and say, oh, if Amazon comes, they'll bring some jobs, but then the city will probably lose potential revenue from uh, the tax incentives or whatever. So we have to kind of decide which is better versus like a shouting match on the house floor um, in DC. So uh, I I think you'd probably get more genuine conversations out of local officials. Um, At least like, and I, I love like my Congressman is amazing uh, super down to earth, but a lot of times you run into that problem where they just become some kind of establishment figure and just it's, a face like that. It's just a ta- a tailored person at that point. Yeah, exactly. So it's a future thought. So anyone listening, you know, you know, it's a possibility if I can get get it because I, I've been talking to a lot more local businesses and mm-hmm. talking with them. So it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not outside the realm of the possibilities. I'm getting there right now. I, I still enjoy talking to random strangers on the internet. Uh, but talking to locals is, uh, it's, it's a, it's something in the future, but for now I'm glad I'm here talking with you. Um, is there anything else you would like to discuss 
or anything else you would like the audience and myself to know more about you? you know? Um, not really. I mean, uh, put my website in the, if my website's in the description, um, they can learn more about me if they want, but nothing else. Go vote, I guess, whenever elections happen. I think turnout is a big thing. Um, and then check out flintsbykids.org, uh, for more information about the projects that we're doing. All right. Uh, all right. So then we're going to head into the, we're going to head towards the end of the show. Before mm-hmm. that, I'm going to have some words from our this friends here. Brought to you by ouchthathurts.com. Visit Ouch That Hurts for music, gaming, reviews, editorials, podcasts, and more. Ouch That Hurts, H E R T Z dot com. Come hang out and chat with everyone on our Discord channel. Be a part of our community. All right, and we're back. So, at this point, I usually ask my guests to regale us with a tale of the weirdest, strangest, most convoluted thing that has ever happened, you have ever done, or have ever encountered in your life. Um, so, when I... I have two instances. One is probably the most, like, spontaneous and just kind of fun thing that happened, just out of the blue. Um, And the other was just the most interesting person I've ever met in my life. Um, (laughs) All right, do sure. So, like, I'll try to be quick and brief with both. But uh, the first time, uh, I was at this, uh, I did a research project in high school, and I got to present it at like a um, science conference in Washington, D.C. And uh, it was a really cool opportunity. Um, I felt, I definitely felt like the dumbest person in the room um, because, you know, you had all these people with like, you know, six PhDs and this person has a Nobel Prize and stuff. And I'm over here with basically a more advanced volcano uh, science project or whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, or vinegar volcano, whatever that thing is. Um, and so, and like, it was me and maybe like 20 other students from around the country. And a couple of us are just hanging out, uh, one night and this is a multi-day conference. And he says, I really want to see the panda cam, uh, of the panda in the uh, National Zoo or the, um, I forget what the exact name, it's like Smithsonian's Zoo something. Anyway, National Zoo. And he's like, but I don't just want to see the panda cam online. I want to see it in person. So it's like, you know, 9 p.m. at this time. And he's like, okay, at midnight, I'm going to go and break into the National Zoo. And so uh, we were like, okay, we're not going to let you do that alone. Um, and so we escorted him to the um, uh, to the uh, basically edges of the zoo. And it's super cold. And we are all bundled up and just trying to get back, in, like, trying to get back onto the subway to go back to the hotel to just, uh, uh, you know, be in the warmth. 
And this kid, and but we have to wait for this kid to go in, do whatever he wanted to do with this panda, and then come out. And so he he did it. Like it was like you know we were standing for like fifteen twenty minutes in the in the cold, and he comes back out over the fence and with these pictures of him and the exhibit that it was in. The panda obviously wasn't out in the cold, just like chilling, you know, at uh, midnight on like a random like Thursday or something. So the panda is probably inside someplace much warmer. uh, But he just like has all these pictures at like different places within the zoo. And we were just like, you are crazy and you are insane. I cannot believe you did that. And so that was something that like, you know, I guess it would have been cool if that was me doing that, but part of me didn't want to get arrested on a trip. Uh, like getting arrested at a science conference, that's not the story you want to tell. Um, and so, yeah, that was something that was super spontaneous, just kind of random. And I got to see this guy like just break into the National Zoo, try to take pictures with the panda, and then pretty much walk it back out as if nothing's happened. Um, so that's story one. Uh, and then story two, I was in Mexico once and I was staying at this like family friend's place and she had a little dinner party and she invited some of her neighbors and some of her friends. And I met this guy who knew more about buffalo meat and beef then and what's called beefalo meat, which I still do, to this day don't understand what that is. But this guy knew more about this, like these meats, than anyone I've ever met in my life. This guy, so he and I were talking for a whole hour and a half. He was talking about he and I were having a conversation on just like the different kinds of meat and like how you can like keep them, you know from spoiling and how you can prepare them in different weights and water percentages. And I, I don't know anything about this, uh, uh, about, you know, raising cattle or raising livestock and then, um, making patties. Like I'll eat a burger. Like I love burgers, but I don't know anything about this industry. So I'm just asking him questions and he would, there was no fact that he repeated twice. It was just, like over an hour of just, I might've even been like closer to two hours, but it was like around an hour and a half of this guy just talking and talking and talking about like beef and company like meats. And I just, I like fell in love with this dude. Cause he was like, like if someone has that much of a passion for like one thing is just super admirable. Uh, I mean, regardless of what it is, uh, so I was just super impressed by the fact that he knew so much about this one topic. And I was just kind of, uh, surprised at what that topic was. Um, never in my life met someone so interested in like cattle, livestock and the production of beef versus the production of Buffalo and stuff like that. So two quick stories about probably the most just spontaneous, convoluted, unexpected, weird situation. And then uh, the most unexpected, convoluted, weird person. Hey, that, 
that's kind of the realm I work in. Uh, so that's uh, I, I, one day maybe I'll have this meat guy on my show because <laughs> having someone talk. One thing is one thing that I always find interesting is uh, I'm always oh once again thank you for sharing that. It's because I I like hearing tales and I like sharing them with my listeners because it gives it gives a little bit more substance to the person because. Like I said, we're people. We do stuff. Oh yeah, things happen, and uh, like like right now, like having the, you having that hour long discussion about meats, like that could have happened on this show, and it would have been the most random thing that's one of the most random things that's happened. But it's because of that the, the the people's passion of different things that this show it is what it is, and I'm. I'm also happy, like like I said, you you as an individual and some of the the, the works you're doing and some of the passions you're, um, fuck, can't even say anymore. Achieving, I'm gonna say that for now. Um, it's it's great. Like I said, it's, I'm glad you were able to come and do this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm really honored and flattered to be here. So let's let's have a little bit more fun because we're gonna head into the the game show portion of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So you decided to play Would You Rather. For anyone listening, Would You Rather is a game where I'm going to put uh, my guests in two different situations, in two different scenarios, and... He's going to have to explain why he's choosing one over the other. He He's allowed to ask me questions to kind of elaborate a little bit further. So how did that sound? I'm ready for it. All right. So let's go with the, the first situation. All right. Here. Okay. Would you rather only use technology from the 18th century or... You are a walking human magnet that attracts all metal, and it ruins electronics. And I'm living in, like, the 21st century? Uh, for the first one, yes. You're, you're living, you're living right, like, right now, but for some okay. reason, you're only using 18th century technology. Think of, like, the Amish. So, like, the cotton gin and, like, dentures? Like, that's all I get? Yeah, uh, so you, you're, you're okay. exclusively like, no, this technology is heresy. I'll stick to my 18th century technology. Theme engines <laughs> and the like. Can I, u- can I use, like, technology that's been developed up until the 18th century? So, like, telescopes and stuff like that? Mm, I'll allow that. I will allow that. I think that was, like, in the 15- 1400s or whatever. So... If someone like out there wants to, yeah. someone wants to, or like back fire to someone in an fire in like whatever BC. <laughs> if, well, let's go with that. If anyone okay. in the comments wants to do that, you can put in the comments, add us on Twitter. You know, they, they can they can yell at us there. But for now, I will allow it. Okay. Okay. So I'm just gonna like imagine a day in the life. So I'll wake up. To literally the sun, because I can't even have an alarm clock. Um, so I'd either be late for work or whatever, or I'd just go to sleep at a really early time. 
probably when the sun closer to when the sun goes down because that's the only kind of way I can gauge this stuff. Light bulbs don't exist yet, so it's either those gas lamps. So I'd have to turn that on、um, to do anything. Brushing your teeth. So, are do I have the knowledge of someone in the twenty first century? Like, do I know that I should be taking care of my teeth by doing、yes. something? Yeah, you're only using the technology of the time. Not、okay. you, you have you you still have the knowledge of what's happening now. Okay, so then yeah, I'd be able to like brush my teeth. Crap! Well,、uh, bathing would be pretty hard because、uh, you know you don't have like really good indoor plumbing.、Uh, you're gonna use like buckets or whatever.、Um, and then what? You go to work, and I don't know. I don't know if an electrical engineering degree really has value in the 18th century. I completely forgot about that. <laughs>、uh, So I'd either go to class and not, and like learn some learn about stuff I hate or cannot use,、um, and then, or I'd be at work, like hand printing magazines and teaching people about,、uh, you know, philanthropy or whatever it might be.、Um, okay, so that sucks.、Um, <laughs> And then the alternative is magnets. Yeah, human magnet. Yeah, and so metals attract to you, and you you can ruin electronics. electronics. So, like, can I use like can I be around light bulbs, or will the light bulbs stop stop working too? You know what? I don't know. I don't know what happens when light bulbs and magnets touch each other.、Hmm. Like, if I if I turn on a light in a room. Would the light stay on, or would like the magnet mess with it? I don't. Honestly, I would have asked you that question.、Um, I, I think I think light and stuff should be fine. Obviously, things like phones that like push out some kind of radio signal will be、uh, like that'll be totally messed up. But I'm trying to think. I、oh, then I can't use computers either. How strong is this like magnet?、Uh, anything within twenty-five feet is it zapped to you? I think I'd go with the magnet because, like, I'm imagining a position where I could do whatever I need to do on paper and in person, and then like pass it off to someone else to type it up. If if needed, like hey, I, I wrote this thing. Can you transcribe it?、Um, but I don't think I'd get very far without technology, especially knowing that everyone else is using that. That'll be a really tough like disadvantage to have. So I think I'll go with the second option of being the human magnet. Final answer. Final answer. All right, you're the human magnet. Okay, this one's gonna be interesting and so random that these got pulled from the deck. <laughs> I'm gonna. I recommend you take a, have an open mind on this one. So, okay. Would you rather post a quote free hand jobs 
end quotes, listing on Craigslist and be obligated to whoever responds to that post. A what hand jobs? Free hand jobs. Free, okay. Free hand jobs. Or have penis feet. What? Have penis your feet, feet your feet turn to penises. What's the Jeez. blood flow situation? <laughs> I'll let I'll leave that to your imagination and the audience as well. <laughs> <laughs> um Yes, these are the these are the choices that you randomly drew. See, I feel like people don't use Craigslist anymore for the most part. So the people that are using Craigslist, I would like for like, you know, personals and classifieds and stuff like that. Um So the people that are using that probably aren't the people I want to be interacting with. So I think I'd go with the penis feet. Um do I feel the same like if I get kicked in the nuts, for example, it's painful. If someone steps on my quote unquote foot, do I feel the same amount of pain? Hmm, that is a good question. I would I would think so because in in this scenario, I would say you would have the same level of nerves that oh. you would. And um, I would also say you would have the same it would be the same reaction. So technically you wouldn't have feet until you are erect. Which is weird thinking about it now. Anyone listening, if you can picture that, go for it. Because I'm trying to. Because I'm trying to give you as much context for these scenarios. So yes, the, the nerve endings would be just the same as a normal normal genitals. For a man, anyways. And I think I'll go with the second option. I think I think just a life of Wait, actually, it's just one. So I type in freehand job on Craigslist, and then someone answers it, and I have to do it. You, you are as far as the the Craigslist one. Yeah, I'm gonna say that you you post, you make one single post, like okay. one post onto the internet. But you, you're anyone who responds to that, you are obligated to do that. So. Actually, I'll just do that. That seems... And I'm giving them the handjob, or they're giving me the handjob? You are giving them the handjob. Sure, I'll do that. What, that's like five minutes of just... Like, oddness? Like, or incredible uncertainty? Over, like, penis feet, I guess. A life of penis feet? Yeah. I guess, like, when I was thinking, like, have penis feet for the rest of my life, that's, that definitely is a lot more to think about than, like, you know, a week or a month or something like that. So I think I'd go with the first option, actually. Final answer. Final answer. All right. Let's hope that that post gets lost in the ether and no one adds for that thing in the, in the 20 years from now. Yeah. So, <laughs> honestly... Actually, I have or a weird... I'll answer it myself. I can do that, right? <laughs> yes, you can. 
So here, actually, I have a, a, a very odd tale from Craigslist that one of my old co-workers actually did. Um, bonus story, people. So um, uh, an old co-worker, he, he liked doing, like, for the most part, like, simple odd jobs on Craigslist, you know, since mm-hmm. that's a thing on there. And someone was asking for uh, a painter since someone wanted a, a room painted. But, you know, that's simple. Uh, a couple dollars here. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he goes to the job. You know, he has a, a reasonably sized room. You know, it's already emptied out. All he has to do is paint it. And he's it's going to take a couple hours, give or take, you know, for a, re, a, a good a good layer of paint. <sighs> and it was it was for a, a reasonably good amount of money. And, you know, when you, when you see something like that, like, oh, painting a room for, I'm going to say, X amount of money. Yeah, why not? It's not going to take me that long. <laughs> he gets there. And the guy is the guy's there, the the guy who requested it. And he asks the coworker that he wants him to paint the room while he's in his underwear. While your friend is painting? Yes. He's in his underwear? Yes. Not the not the the guy who requested the the painting. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and he left. <laughs> he did not honestly th- I, because at, at that moment, I was myself thinking, um, I, I can't remember the amount of money at the moment, but I, it was a reasonably high for painting a room, you know. Right. But I was thinking to myself, would I have taken that paint a room? You know, it's, it's, I it's think probably like- the uncertainty of like, first off, it's Craigslist. Second off, <laughs> uh, like, that could escalate to something else. Like, yeah, I don't. I I don't think I accept. I think I'd walk out too. There you go. So yeah, that's my random bonus story. Not mine, but it's it's a tale. It's random. Things happen. Craigslist man, sketchy. I'm so. <laughs> but anyways, all right, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Thanks for playing. It was a little odd, but you know that's how that's how this game works. So yeah, dude, that was fun. <laughs> so we're we're at the point where I let my guests kind of uh let them know where they can find you i know we mentioned this but you know this is kind of the the last one so let them know where they can find you how they can reach you and all that jazz yeah so uh i'm pretty active on social media so you know facebook.com slash branded by emit or twitter my ad handle is branded by emit or my instagram which you guessed it is branded by emit um, and yeah, those are kind of the top three that I use. Um, I have a website, uh, brandonbyamit.com where I, uh, I, it has like my blog, but also people can book me for speaking gigs or consulting gigs. Um, and then you can also reach, you can reach me through the website. Uh, and you can also like, contact our team at philanthropy kids by going to their website philanthropykids.org um and those links and uh usernames will all be listed in the description exactly so yeah so like once again thank thank you for taking the time out of your your day to do this interview and have a have a fun chat and we get to learn a little bit more about you and the work you do no i loved being on here thanks for having me so 
anyone listening, go check him out. The work he's doing is really great. Like from from the moment I he reached out to me, I was looking to he's like he's doing good stuff. Uh, so go check it out. Um, so, but anyone, if you want to try to get a reach hold of me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Now that I have proper internet for anyone listening, you guys, it's in the future. So you guys have probably already seen me stream, but I've been having two weeks of horrible internet connection and I barely got it fixed on Tuesday. So I'm happy about that. A little complaint there, but find me anywhere you can. Subscribe to any of the podcasting uh, apps that you do. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that jazz. Actually, or YouTube, actually. This is also on YouTube. So subscribe to anyone there. It'd be great. Um, once again, thanks again for listening. Until next time, see ya. Hey everybody, uh, my name is Grant, and I host a podcast called It's Trivial. Now, It's Trivial is a game show in which I pit comedians, musicians, podcasters, and other interesting people against one another, usually in front of a live audience, for the sake of public ridicule. Hope you'll check it out. There's something there for everybody. There's stuff for uh, people who like movies, uh, music, uh, history, geography, comic books, and even more. Be sure to give me a follow here on social media on Instagram and Twitter at It's Trivial Show and check out the entire first season of It's Trivial now in your favorite podcast app. Thanks.